right, guys, as you can tell, we're looking a little bit different tonight. So if you have not heard and you don't follow us on our socials, which you should, um, tonight is our dating Q&A. Let's go. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Try again. Woohoo! Ah, okay, great job, great job. All righty. So do you guys want to take a second and introduce yourselves and your roles and kind of what you're doing? All right, listening? I'll start. My name's Andy, <laughs> young adult pastor. Nice. What up, guys? <laughs> I can't follow that up. Okay, I'm Oakley and women's director for young adults. And I am Trayvon, the men's director. And I'm Paige. I'm the grad resident and tonight the moderator. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, so our first question is for Oakley. Question number one is, people often respond in early dating with, are you having fun or do they give you butterflies? Do you think this is a true indicator of a good relationship? So I'll be honest, when I first heard this question, I love this question too, because I think our world and how saturated we are with rom-coms sets us up to believe that you should feel butterflies in every stage and be head over heels immediately. And I thought of uh, Princess Diaries, Princess Diaries fans in here, where she's looking, she's looking for the heel pop, if you remember that. And then when she's with the guy, like when you're supposed to kiss the guy and you have like the heel pop and then that's like the butterflies and you know that's the person for you. And when she was with the guy she wasn't supposed to be with, her foot got caught in gum. So clearly it was a good indicator, but that's what I hey, thought well, of. God is sovereign. God I mean. is sovereign? God is sovereign. So maybe just <laughs> look for that next time. That's the answer to my question, we'll go on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that's such a good question because that's definitely, I think oftentimes what our world is telling us to kind of look for. And I look at my own life and kind of my own history and there have been many a times where um, maybe I've been in a situation where I had those intense feelings and it was this roller coaster of emotion. And uh, if I'm being honest, sometimes those were, not all the time, but sometimes those were the hardest falls after things didn't work out or the person wasn't who I thought that they were. Uh, and so when we look at this, yes, feelings are so important and they're so fun and exciting, but there's also so much more depth uh, to be experienced when you are in relationships and when you're moving forward with someone because those feelings can come and go, especially the longer that you're with someone and as you move towards marriage, uh, sometimes there are days when you don't even like the person or those feelings aren't really there. And so what do you have that's deeper than that to kind of rely on? And um, I remember even when I started dating Lewis, it was cool because after the first couple of times we hung out, yes, I thought he was so handsome and yes, the feelings were there and it was super fun. But what I noticed that was really different was there was a depth and there was substance to the person that I was going out with. And it, was, it, it just helped me feel really secure and steady. And in addition to that, I was dating in community and so had a lot of people speaking into kind of my heart and my feelings and my situation. So long story short, feelings are important, but I would not say that they are something to base a relationship off of if it will survive or if it will not. Uh, they're fun in the moment, but definitely look for something a little deeper than just a feeling. Well, it, 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 feels, it feels good, uh -huh. that, that feeling of being liked, right? It, it feels the warm fuzzies. Like, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But feelings are fleeting, right? They come and go. They're situational. They're seasonal. And so I think what you said is exactly right. It's not good, something to, to found your, your life on because feelings are very real. They're God-given, uh, but they're very rarely reliable. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's good. All right, our next question is for Trayvon, and it is from the guys, and it says, why do women have such high expectations? I feel like, as a guy, I can't meet their needs. I, I feel like this question has already landed with the audience. <laughs> oh, I got Trayvon, here we go, all right. I got set up here. Um, my first raw reaction is, how low is the ball really set for guys? I mean, I'd never look at my sister or my nieces and say, lower your standard to meet that of a guy. I mean, that's just being frank. But then as I really think about this question, I think it, it breaks down into two categories. I think one is if they're asking you to raise the bar on a measure of character, then you got to ask yourself, what is it in you that you're not willing to step up to that? If they're challenging you to be a better man, to be uh, just better overall, to grow in your faith or whatever that may be, then what is it in you that is afraid or unwilling to change and grow? Is that not the purpose of finding a spouse, someone to help hold you up, someone to help make you better. And then on the other side of that, I also can see it uh, in guys of sometimes unrealistic expectations, um, which I think goes into a little bit more of characteristics 
uh, and kind of like how Andy talked about character versus characteristics. Whenever you're measuring a guy up to, you gotta be six foot, you gotta make six figures, and we can go on and on down the list. I think then you have to ask yourself, well, why are you so upset about someone who you're pursuing that really doesn't see you for the value of who you really are? They're just looking at you for what the dream could be or whatever that is. And so um, ask yourself, are they trying to hold you up to a higher standard as far as character or characteristics? And if it's character, then ask yourself, uh, are you willing to step into that challenge? If not, are you ready to be dating? And then if it's uh, characteristics, then maybe you need to pursue someone else. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, 100%. And I think it goes on b both sides of the aisle. I mean, I, th I think guys and girls, at least in my experience, can have unrealistic expectations. Like we, we, have, a, we have that list in our head Facts. of like, well, they, this is my type, right? They, I, they've got to be this, this, and this. And I, I think, Trayvon, what you said is right. Like, what are, what are we basing that list on? Is it on the characteristics or is it the character, the foundation of their life or just the features that they have? And so... I think you're right. I think it's a good question to ask ourselves, like, why, why does that bother me? And, and then ask ourselves, like, well, maybe it's they have unreal, unrealistic expectations. Yeah, that's good. The next question is for Andy, and it's a simple one, but a not so simple one, is why do guys not ask girls out? That ain't simple. That is <laughs> not simple. Super simple. Super simple. Um, I, I think there's, I think... This is probably in my seven years of, of young adult ministry, this is probably the most consistent frustration that I hear from our women um, is that like they just, guys are not pursuing, they're not in, being intentional, they're not being clear, all the things. And so um, I would say number, the number one reason is fear of rejection. That is it. Um, as, as a guy, we've grown up in a culture that has told us like this is your role. You are the one to be the one to pursue. You are the one to ask out. And um, as a guy that is, has lived through that many times, like that is a terrifying uh, burden to carry. Uh, because when you ask someone out or you, you know, you're putting yourself out there, like you're putting yourself out there, your ego, your pride, your, all your insecurities. And I think, uh, at least for me personally, I, I would say that if we pulled the audience, the guys would agree with this, is that um, when you're young in middle school and high school, girls are really unkind. Um, when, when they say no. And so th those carry with us. And so, and maybe it's in college for you, I don't know, but I think that's, that's the number one, is just fear of rejection. So um, give, give your brothers in Christ uh, some grace. They, they, they've got some baggage there. Um, and then secondly, I think there's, there's other reasons. There could just be just natural wiring. Like maybe they're just, they deal with a lot of social anxiety. Um, and, and to even talk to anyone, let alone uh, a, a girl about, do they like, you know, like that's the whole series, check yes or no. Like this is one of those things that's like in us when we were a kid. Like, will you just tell me, do you like me or not? That's just, it's just scary. It's just a scary thing. And so it, it's, it's rejection. It's, it's the social anxiety of like even engaging. And I think that we're, we're just not good at it. I think your generation has been handicapped a little bit in terms of like everything's digitized. And so just knowing how to have a face-to-face -face conversation is, is a skill that um, I did not have to learn. I, that's just what I grew up with. There was no digital. If you wanted to talk to somebody, you had to talk to them. There was no DMs, there was no texting. And so I think that the fact that it's been digitized has made those conversations even more awkward for people that already don't feel confident in doing it. Um, and so I think for the ladies, uh, just have a ton of grace. Um, and at, when, they, when they do approach you, understand that they have probably thought about, prayed about, worried about for weeks to have that conversation. And so if you are gonna say no, just know that they're coming with a lot of insecurity that way. And then I would say the third reason that um, it's difficult and that guys are not asking, it, not, it doesn't make it difficult, just the reason guys don't ask is because um, I would just say that the sexualized nature of our, of our society, specifically pornography and the access to it, has short-circuited uh, the process is that we can find what we're looking for outside of marriage and very easily. And so just the natural, um, just the natural way of like attraction can be circumvented. Like I can, go, I can go find what I want without the awkwardness, without the rejection, I can total, total acceptance. And so I think pornography plays a role into it and just not specifically um, for every guy probably, but just the sexualized nature of our society makes 
relationships, like it's not that, it's not a burden. It's not, a, it's not like they're, I gotta talk to somebody. Like I need to connect. Like, and so I think all three of those things kind of jumbled together are probably a little bit of the, at least my experience of, of why guys typically don't ask, ask out. But I would say the number one reason is fear of rejection. Yeah, that's good. Um, our next question is for Oakley and Trayvon, and it's, is it okay for a girl to initiate dropping the hanky, or should they wait? Now, if you're Paige, not what from is, the 1800s. What does dropping yeah. the hanky mean? If you're not from the 1800s, you probably don't know what dropping the hanky means, so I'm gonna tell you. So back in the olden days, if you will, uh, girls would carry hankies for whatever reason, and just like that, yeah. <laughs> and so they'd carry them around, and they would see a guy that they like, and they would just walk past him and just drop the hanky at their feet so then the guy would have to pick it up, have a conversation with them and think it was completely their idea. So that's you'll get, what, Ladies, you'll get your hanky on the way out tonight. <laughs> We're gonna hand, it's a gathering logo. No, just kidding. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead and take this one. 100% uh, yes. Um, why? Because like Andy said, guys are terrified. And to be quite frank, we oblivious. Like, I'm gonna be real, like... <laughs> You could be flirting with me and I have no idea. And it's just like, give me some type of hint. But specifically, how many of you have seen Legally Blonde? Just raise your hand. All right, so Elle Woods says it, and maybe this will clear it up a little bit more. It's called the bend and snap. Hey, can you show us what the bend and snap what is? What does that look like, Trayvon? <laughs> All right, hold on, you just gotta, you gotta bend and snap. <laughs> I love that you did that. No, but all that being said, uh, truly, it just opens up the world to where for a guy who may be terrified at a 50-50 chance of whether you're going to say yes or no, and kind of like Andy said, maybe he's been rejected, he's at a low point of just, he needs that confidence boost, you never know what just that one little hint will do for him of just like, okay, I got a chance. Like, even just a chance will, will maybe send him to where he's going to chase his dream woman, and maybe that's you, or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, or, or whatever. No, that's good. It's good to hear a guy's perspective because all the ladies in the room right now, and I've talked to, if not like so many in this room, other ladies in different seasons of life where we can so often feel this anxiety and worry and frustration because there's not clarity in what's kind of happening. And I know Andy talked about it last week or the week before, but just striving for clarity and being intentional in that is always so important but it's not always done perfectly. And so when there's this ambiguous situation, I would fully encourage you guys, especially the women in the room, if you're sitting there and you're like, I don't know where we're at, I don't know what's going on, go and raise your hand and say, hey, I just would like some clarity here. I would like for there to just kind of be, uh, make sure we're on the same page. Because I don't think that that's like this step of initiation in this relationship that's setting you up where you're gonna have to be now the leader in the relationship or whatever other fears that may kind of instill in your heart when you hear that, I would say you're just striving for clarity, you're wanting to make sure you guys are on the same page and that's loving for him as well as loving for you and saves you a lot of heartache and just a lot of anxiety because those situations can be stressful. So you've heard it from a man himself, yes, go up, say, say that, that you, I don't know, say you like him, I have no idea. <laughs> Do whatever, just be clear and, and definitely I would say go for it and uh, I don't know. Here's, here's, here's the, the caveat is, is that what will be funny is if you're one of those ladies like, okay, now I'm free to do that. Now you're going to start feeling the anxiety of rejection. Up. <laughs> right, guys? Like, like now all of a sudden they've got to like, and, that, and that's going to be a real, like that's going to be a real thing is like, all right, now you got to put yourself out there if you're willing to do that. Because there is, there is like we just, we, in the church world, there's just a lot of baggage, a lot of expectations that come with who, what role should everybody play in dating, like what's, what's okay, what's not. Uh, I've had conversations, my wife has had conversations with young adults for years where Christian ladies feel like they, they are in this, really this holding tank that like they can't do anything about. Like they're just waiting for some guy to get his act together. Like and they're just waiting. Or my favorite is, I'm, just, I'm praying for the husband that's maybe just gonna show up at the door and I haven't yeah, seen that happen once up. yet. So maybe if that's your yeah. story, let me know. So yeah, like, yeah I mean, I, I just think it's, it's one of those where I'm like, I don't, I don't see it uh, in, in, in God's word that says only guys can initiate with, with, with whatever. And so like, I, I think about, when I think about you guys, because I'm the old guy in the room, I think a lot about my daughter, like she's gonna date someday. And I would absolutely be like, hey, if you're interested in that guy, maybe 
just go up and say, hey, if you're ever interested, I'd, I'd love to grab coffee with you. And I know for guys, for most of us, like, oh, wow, okay, great. Thank you for clarity, now let's go. So anyway. That's good. So Oakley kind of touched on it a little bit, but another question that we got um, is, are there lasting implications in a relationship if a girl does drop the hanky or take the lead or let a guy know that she's interested first? Andy, what are your thoughts? Is there lasting implications if she initiates? Okay, yeah. there's two sides to this coin in my opinion. One, there could be, because maybe he is really passive and he is kind of lazy and we're letting him off the hook because I don't, I mean, I just think in general, I'm, again, I'm, we're speaking from 30,000 foot here, very broad, broad brush, is I think most ladies want there to be pursued. They want to be pursued and loved and cared for and, and taken care of. And so by circumventing that initi original initiation could, depending on the guy, give him a license to be lazy and, un and passive in the relationship. On the other hand, maybe, let's, I mean, I'm, again, we're just playing uh, what ifs, but what if he does struggle with major um, social anxiety, right? Where he just needs a little nudge and then once he gets that approval and like, okay, my life isn't gonna be over and then all of a sudden he's like, all right, now let's go. I've, I've got that affirmation from her. Now my fears are, are squelched to the side and so maybe it's just a, that little nudge. And so it could, it could go either way. I mean, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth but I think it could go either way but I don't think just because maybe the, the, the gals initiate means that forever and ever, that relationship is going to be, he's gonna be passive and lazy, but he might. That's why we date. <laughs> we, we evaluate, we watch, and we see like, hey, does he never initiate in anything, right? Do, do I have to drag him to church? Do I have to drag him everywhere, get him off the couch? Like, like those, are, those are things we evaluate, so. Yeah, that's good. All right, our next question is for Trayvon, and it is, how can I trust God in the waiting for a spouse when a spouse isn't guaranteed? I'm guessing I got this one because I'm the only one without a ring. Um, <laughs> um, truly, um, there was a couple years ago that I was sitting at a camp where I got challenged to, to express this thought when uh, a good community group, essentially there was a guy who he was married and he just challenged us. He was like, what is your biggest desire? And at the time, it would have been to get married and to have kids. Uh, that was my biggest heart's desire just because of my background with my dad and everything else. And... After that, he said, well, what if you get none of it? And for me, if I'm being honest, at that point in life, that was not something I was willing to accept. It angered me, it frustrated me, but it also opened a door for me to, to kind of explore, is God enough without X, Y, Z? And in that particular case, it was, if you never get a wife, you never have a spouse, is God still enough? Is life still good? And then even more so, it, it opened up a door for me to start appreciating my singleness and look around at the opportunities and things that I was getting to experience. Uh, in that same year, I got to travel across the country and go completely adventure, go skydiving, bungee jumping, uh, I bought a motorcycle. Like, that's a whole nother list of just adventure. But I mean, even just talking to Andy and some of my married friends, I'm like, those are some of the things that you don't get to do necessarily just when you're married, free just to go, I mean, you have to consult with someone else. You have to consider uh, their time. So if you wanna travel, you're not looking at twice the price. If you wanna go and adventure, you're not just risking your life, you're risking what does that look like to leave them alone? And so there's so many factors. And essentially, I think it goes sometimes into the grass is greener mentality. Uh, sometimes I get to talk to some of my old teammates and married friends, and they sit there and they're like, man, I wish that I could go back and, and travel and, and do some of the things or just hang out with friends freely. And then on the flip side, I'm saying, man, I wish that I could be settled already and not have this anxiety of what if, uh, have that confirmation. And so I think it's so easy to get lost in what you desire and not really appreciate what God has given you to take hold of right now. And so look around your life. For me, I, I truly know that I wouldn't be in this position of ministry being able to serve others with just the freedom of time if I had that restriction of a relationship in some terms. And so um, I think it's just one, asking yourself that question and opening up your heart to accept, are you willing to still follow God and, and be happy with or without a spouse? Um, because then it opens you up to really enjoy this time of singleness until that comes, if it does. So. Yeah, yeah I, I would completely agree. And I think those feelings are real and they are valid and they may never, ever go away. And I don't mean to be like the good cop, bad cop here, but it, it's, it's just true. And that might be like a deep desire of your heart. Um, and 
I feel for you, the Lord feels for you, the Lord sees you in that. And I think the biggest thing I would want to just remind you of is that regardless of the season of life that you are in, if you are single, if you are dating, engaged, married, anything, the purpose and the call that you have on your life is exactly the same. It is to love Jesus, to make him known and to love his people. And that doesn't change whenever you change a season of life or when you move into a different chapter, it stays the same. And so much like what Trayvon was saying, what are you doing now to make Jesus known, to fall more in love with him and to love his people? Um, I thought of in 2 Timothy, nope, 1 Timothy, um, chapter six, verse 11 says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And that's so exciting because that's not written to a specific group of people. That's written to absolutely everyone. Fight the good fight. Take hold of these things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue steadfastness and love. And all of those things start here and now. And every day, if that means that you have to center your focus on, Lord, I trust you today, I trust you're enough. The promises in your word tell me that you're with me, that you fulfill me, that you're my husband. You're, sorry, men, I don't know. I'm, I'm used to reading the Bible in that way, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you complete me and you answer prayers. You hear me and you're, you're for my heart. And so we know those promises. While we don't know other things, we don't know if we're promised a future with someone else. We don't know if we're promised kids or a family or whatever else that the world deems so desirable, uh, and we may desire, and that's a good desire. We know what promises are found in scripture and we can rest in those every single time. Even if it's every morning you're waking up, God, fix my eyes on you. Help me to fight the good fight. Help me to pursue you no matter what my circumstances are. So anyways, just to encourage you guys, because um, I came upon that the other day and it encouraged me, um, just reminded me to have eternal perspective no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. That'll preach. <laughs> yup. Um, our next question is for Andy, and it is, is it okay to date someone with a porn addiction as long as he or she is working on it? Is it okay to date someone who has a porn addiction, but they are working on it? Is that right? Yes. Okay. So, um, like, this, this one is, one, if you've, been, if you've been around our ministry for any, any specific amount of time, you've probably heard that porn is a part of my, my story. Um, when I was 19, I got into it and, and wreaked havoc on, on my life. And so I have a unique perspective on this because um, I, I understand this. And uh, what I would say is it really, it really depends on what working on it means. Um, it, it, working on it might mean like, all right, you've talked about it, you've acknowledged it, but that's it. Working on it also might mean, on the other hand, of like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm weakly confessing. I've got guys in my life or gals in my life. And by the way, this is a guy and girl issue. Um, the, the, the more time goes on, this is not just a guy issue. 15 years ago, maybe it was, but um, the more conversations that we have um, shows that that's, that's changing. So it's, it, it's a, it, are you putting in place, is working on it mean you have, you're putting things in place in your life? Accountability, confession, repentance, um, are you removing access to, to those things? Like, what are you actually doing? Like, like a couple weeks ago, we talked about, you know, who are you looking for? Someone who's building a life. Like, this is that aspirational versus actual. Like, what are they actually doing? Are they going to CR on Thursday nights and dealing with it? Um, but on, on a more general scope, like, I would say that um, this is probably closer to home than many of us want to believe. Uh, statistics would show that this is a, a, a rampant issue. Um, and when I say rampant, like not 80 to 90% um, of, of guys at some point regularly look at porn. And so I would say girls, I don't know what the stats are, but it's, it's rising. And so this is a real, real issue. And so I would, I would turn back to like Matthew 5, 28, um, where Jesus is talking about this, this idea of lust. And he says, anyone who um, looks at a woman with, with lust has committed adultery with her in his heart. And so that informs my view of this question because really the question is, should I date someone who is regularly committing adultery in their heart? And then that question lands different, right? Because it, 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 then it becomes an actual like, oh, 
This, it's not they're struggling, it's not they're working on it, like this is a part of their life. Or is it this was a part of their life and they've taken the actual steps to get it out of their life, right? And Colossians has put like every um, thing of the flesh to death. And so that's part of it. And just FYI, this is not first date conversation, by the way, okay? Um, this is probably not even secondary. Like this, this is a, a way down the road, right? Like because... One of the most loving things that we can do for one another um, is to know when we are ready to date and when we are not ready to date. And if, if this is an issue for you, that you're like, hey, I, I really can't go a day or a couple days without it, that probably means you're addicted to it. Whether it's caffeine or porn or whatever, if you can't go without it, that means there's an addiction to it. And so to me, that's a red flag in our life of saying like, okay, if I'm addicted to something, um, especially uh, that's sexually explicit, that's probably not healthy to bring into a relationship. Like I would say it's not healthy to bring into a relationship. And so most, maybe the most loving thing you can do is like, you know what, I'm not going to date until I actually take action on this issue. Um, or say, you know what, hey, and until you do take action, we're, we're gonna need to break up. Because I, I love you enough to say, I don't want to be a temptation for you. I don't want to be your solution to that problem. Because um, it's, one, it's not. Um, so anyway, I like, it, it's, just, it, it's a big question. Um, and I think it really depends on what that term of working on it means. And actual versus aspirational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to piggyback off of that, I don't want to let this moment pass without somewhat resourcing them. Because this is a big problem in our ministry. I mean, if we're just going to be point blank. But also, this is something of my past, and there's resources for working on it. Uh, when I think about it, like in my own journey, uh, you can have screen time on your, on your phone. You can give your phone to a friend to put in a passcode to where when you are tempted, regardless of how far you go down that trail, you can't get there. You can do that on your computer, your cell phone. Uh, there's apps called Covenant Eyes and different things, but there's also community. Like you need some, to find someone and ask them to hold you accountable because I can't hold you accountable if you don't allow me into your life. And so some of you, you have friends that would gladly step into that gap for you, but you have to reach out. So use the community around you, but it's not just enough to say, I'm working on it, I'm struggling. Like, what are you doing? Like he said, what are you actually putting pen to the paper and doing? And so there's resources. So if you wanna know anything, you can come talk to me, Oakley, Andy, whatever, but we don't want you to walk away if you are on the end of, hey, that's my struggle, I'm about to get broken up with. Sorry, Andy, but... Um, you're about to get broken up with, then we don't want to leave you just empty-handed with a broken heart. Like, come and get those resources from us. And I, I would add this one last thing to this question is, like, we just talked about um, that, that longing to be married and, and, and hoping for that season to come. Like, I would say, this is the season to invest in your life and take care of the things that you need to take care of now. Because, as I said before, there, there is no such thing as marriage people problems. There are only single people problems that we do not deal with and that we bring into our marriage. And you can, you can attack sin and you can attack addiction with a, a ferocity and a, and a velocity in your singleness that you cannot do in marriage. Because in marriage, there's someone with you and they're unpacking that with you and it is hurtful to unpack. And so like, that's my story. Like you can talk to Taylor about it. We, we, this is... I'm not shy about it. Like, this was part of our story. Like, we had to unpack that. Um, and, so, and I'm not proud of it, but, but that's, that, that's the decision I made. Um, and I'm just telling you, like, one of my favorite things is to watch our guys, and we have a lot of guys that are, that are doing this, that they are, they are attacking it. And I, they're the most wonderful stories of freedom um, because there, there's, there's this, this cloud of darkness when you're, when you're enslaved to something. And when you find freedom from that, the gospel of Jesus Christ means infinitely more because you find freedom not in your ability but in God's grace to forgive, in God's community and his church to walk along with you, to pick you up, to encourage you. Like accountability, like when I was in college and young adult years, like accountability never worked um, because as a guy, I hated talking about how I failed all the time. I just didn't want to talk about it anymore. And eventually we wouldn't talk about it because I'm like, I'm tired of talking about how I, how I suck, right? And, and so we, we, we changed the conversation. Of like, all right, instead of saying, how have you failed this week? Let's talk about what you're reading in God's word. What is he teaching you? And how are you seeing victory in your life? 
And I'm like, that's the conversation I wanna have. A, a conversation of conquering and victory and freedom. Let's talk about that. Let's acknowledge the sin. Let's confess it. Let's repent. Let's turn. Let's remove access. Let's do all the things, covenant eyes. But let's, let's go. Let's do this together. And so if that's your story, I don't want you to walk out of here feeling shame. Like, like Satan's good, and, and he and our culture is, is feeding us sexual imagery all the time, guys and girls. And it is a tempting thing. Satan knows what he's doing. And what I would say is Christ has come to set the captives free in Luke chapter 4. Like, he, like we're, we're not supposed to live in, in uh, slavery to sin. And Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. And so you hear the message of Jesus is not I'm going to catch you in your sin, right? You've heard me say it. He has come to set you free from the sin that has caught you. And so I, is this, is, is sexual sin, um, past sexual sin, a, a uh, disqualifier for any future relationship? Absolutely not. God redeems all things. And so what I would encourage you to do is invest in your singleness. Invest, take inventory of like, all right, what is it that has grabbed my heart? And I'm going to bring it before the Lord and say, God, let's do work now. While you have more time than you will ever have again. When you have more energy than you will ever have. When you have more friends and, and freedom to connect. Like, like this is just a wonderful season of when you're single to start attacking the things in your life, whether that's you know the past, whether that's financial debt, like all the things, right? Singleness is that season. Where like let's go to let's go to work, and let's invest in it. Yeah, travel, buy your motorcycle, whatever you want to do, <laughs> but also say, you know what? This is the time. This is the time to get my my heart in order, so that when that person does come along, I can say, hey, this is something that I've worked through and that is in my past, and now let's build a future, right? So. I know that was a lot longer than I wanted Come to Come on, go, somebody. We got Andy preaching up here. Let's go. <laughs> All right. The next one is also for you, Andy, so you get to talk just a little bit more. Woo-hoo. Um, and it is, when should you break up with someone, and how is a way to do it that honors them? Oh, man. All right. Hi. So let me start this one off with, can we just normalize breaking up? All right? Let's normalize it, because we all don't want it to happen but the ratio of breakups to marriage is gonna be way out of whack. Like there is going to be more breakups than marriages, hopefully, right? Because we're dating for a lifetime, not just a good time. And so we should expect that, you know what? This, we're, I'm gonna experience probably more heartache and heartbreak than I want, but in our culture of dating, that's kind of the process. And so I think we normalize like, okay, there, there's a chance that this will end up in a breakup, all right? That's normal. Um, you only want to not break up one time with one person. And so to, get, to find that one person, you may have to go through a few breakups. And so one, I think it's normal. Uh, but when, when should you break up? I mean, this is a nuanced question, um, but we're gonna give a non-nuanced answer, okay? So if you have nuance, come talk to us afterwards. But I would say a couple things. One is when you know that it is no longer moving towards marriage, that's when you break up, right? Because we're evaluating, right? When, when, when you're dating... And this is not like, hey, you had a bad date. We had a fight. Oh, we're not moving to marriage. I don't feel it anymore, right? Like the feeling question of like, oh, it's time to break up. But it's like, if you've evaluated and you thought, you know what? I just, I don't see myself marrying. When that happens, you need to break up. Because what we see happen on, on our end is people figure that out, but then they're like, well, we'll, we'll, give, it, we'll give it another month because they just don't want to have the conversation. And what ends up happening is one heart stops, but the other heart doesn't know. And the other heart continues to move in a direction towards marriage and hopes and excitement. And that's just not very honoring to the, the person you're dating. So if you get to a point where you're like, this isn't leading towards marriage, I know this is probably not the person I'm gonna marry, um, it's time to break up. Uh, if, if there's major red flags, like an addiction, um, like anger, if there's major character flaw issues, I would say those are reasons to break up. Um, preferences, meh, you know, like that, that, I told the staff this story, I, I've told this before, is, you know, that when online dating was a thing, right, that's almost gone, it's all apps now, but in my generation, um, oh. there was eHarmony, and eHarmony hired a, a new chief algorithm officer at one point, 
And this, this guy came in and said, hey, let's, let's do a little study. Let's look at what we ask people to fill out, like what they're looking for, and then let's look at who they actually end up with. And what they found is there's absolutely zero correlation between what they think they want and who they end up with, which tells us you don't know what you're looking for. All right, and so preferences, hold those lightly. Hold preferences lightly, and that's why we t- I talked a couple weeks ago about character. Like, it's, it's not the features of the person, it's their, what's their foundation? Do they love Jesus? Like, let that be the foundation that we build on, and then let the preferences come in way later. Let the characteristics, in. but so if, if it's not moving towards marriage, I would break up. If there's red flags like that, like, there's addictions, there's major character flaws, I would break up. How do you do it? Just simply with um, a lot of clarity, do not be vague. Like the, a vague a statement would be like, um, it's not me, it's you. That's vague, that's not helpful, right? Be clear, like, hey, I've really enjoyed our time together, um, but I just don't see this moving any farther, and so I wanna, I wanna honor you, and, and, and we're gonna end this right now. Um, bring some clarity. Bring clarity with kindness because this is, this is the moment where wounds and baggage get dumped on them, right? Because maybe if you're the one that's doing the breaking up, like you're the one bearing the bad news. And so we need to do it with clarity. We need to do it with crazy amount of kindness and gentleness, um, understanding that they, they're hurt and that's, that's, that's part of it. Um, and so I think we, we have to go into the breakup with, a, a mentality instead of self-preservation, like you think about Philippians chapter two, where it says, do not be concerned about your own interests, but look out for the interests of the others in all humility. And so when we go to the breakup, quit thinking about yourself. Think about, hey, how can I deliver this message with clarity? How can I be kind and gentle with their heart? And then step away, right? And then, um, and then after the breakup, I, like, I mean, there's this, like, don't play the what if game. Like it's not your job to check up on how they're doing. Like that's their, that's their friend's responsibility, right? So I don't know, I mean that's a lot, but I, if you want more detail, I can tell you later, but that's, I'll stop there. I think, I think it's good. Okay, so our next question is just, I'm tossing it out to anybody. So what are some good steps to take to heal from a breakup and to know when you are ready to date again? That's a great question uh, because clearly we should just normalize breakup. Everyone's gonna break up. So tonight, I don't know if you haven't been, be on the lookout. Um, so to heal from a breakup, which is real and it is true and heartbreak is not a joke. Um, I think first and foremost, like any sort of tragedy or grief because you, you're grieving as you go through a breakup, uh, oftentimes both sides, even if you're the person to kind of deliver the news and, and not wanna move forward, is really to acknowledge that this is a huge shift in your life, a huge shift in probably what you had expected, and it might not be what you wanted. And that's gonna hurt, and that's gonna be okay. Uh, And I don't think that, at least there hasn't ever been for me in times of grief where I just wake up one day and everything's magically okay, and we've tied a, a bow on that, and I can leave it in the past, and everything's all good to go moving forward. Oftentimes, I think especially with relational hurts, because you're so invested in another person and you're so intertwined relationally, that those kinds of scars and that baggage can follow you and to some degree for the rest of your life. And that's not to be this Debbie Downer, but it's just to be real. And that's why when you're dating just to date and just to kind of mess around with someone, it's really dangerous because these kinds of things that you might be leaving with them or they might be leaving with you can be painful forever. And so good to acknowledge breakups are hard. Um, and then I think to even just continue to start that process to move forward and to deal with a lot of that pain and a lot of that hurt uh, is first and foremost, it's gonna be falling back into your solid foundation every single time. The Lord has not moved away from you. The Lord is not distant from you, but is there as a rock and a steady place for you to land every single time. Uh, And that might just be the prayer of like, Lord, help me. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how to navigate this. Just help me. I think community is so important in 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 these times, in these seasons, because they're going to be people, especially if they're also running after the Lord, that can point you back to truth and can be quick to encourage you when you're at your lowest. I think what not to do 
is to run to maybe another person, that's why we even have the term rebound, is to run to another person to kind of fill that emotional void that you're experiencing because then not only are you possibly hurting yourself even deeper, but you're not bringing that person into that hurt with you and you're causing scars on their heart and they're gonna leave probably worse off than you found them. And so- Well, actually, you're actually using that person. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not loving to rebound. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, it's not, it's not. And so I think that those are some obvious things that the enemy's gonna be quick to wanna throw your way. Go find another person, go heal this hurt, go put a Band-Aid on the place that you're actually bleeding out from when in all reality, those things might be quick fixes and honestly might not be. They just might make you feel a little bit worse. Uh, but to walk through a breakup and to do it biblically is gonna be fall into the Lord, uh, trust that he is there for you, find your community, latch onto them, be open with them, um, and then cover that day in prayer. Cover every day in prayer, every moment in prayer, because it's gonna hurt and it might hurt for a long time. But the Lord never ever, someone told me this before and I've never forgot it, the Lord never wastes any season of waiting and the Lord never wastes any hurt. And so know that in your waiting and in your hurt, it is never wasted and God sees you. That's good. One of my favorite verses comes to mind and that's uh, Psalms 147.3. And it says, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. And so I, I absolutely agree. You have to embrace the suck, but lean in on the Lord. Allow him to, to fix you to, to just mold your heart. But then on top of that, I think take some time to, to process alone, but don't stay alone. Because when you're in a tough emotional state, when you are alone and you're thinking the worst about yourself, you're, you're processing what maybe the other person said if they did it the wrong way in a breakup, it's very easy to start looking at yourself as just this terrible, broken thing. And it's like, no, get back in community. Get around the people that love you, your friends, because in that moment, they're gonna remind you of the good things that you bring to the world. They're gonna remind you the love that you bring to them as a friend. They're gonna remind you of all the good qualities that you actually have. And I promise you, that's gonna heal your heart a lot more. It's gonna reveal so much of the truth that's actually around you because the sad thing is when people are hurt, and especially in breakups, they say things that are hurtful that sometimes break you and that may not be the truth about you. But if you sit in that alone, then it's just, it could, honestly become the truth about you. You start to believe it long enough. So plug in the community, get around the people who will truly reveal that. But also on the other side, get around some, some friends that aren't just yes men, because in the same way, if they love you, they may actually reveal some of the things that you do need to improve on in the most loving way and walk with you through that. So don't do it alone. Like once you take that time to process, get back in with your friends and start doing life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, our last question before we hit our rapid fire questions is, as someone who's a new believer, what, what do boundaries in Christian dating look like and how are they different? All right, this is my favorite question. Here's why this is my favorite question. Because it says, as a new believer, what do, what do boundaries in a Christian relationship look like? And what that tells me is the person that wrote this question is taking their faith seriously and saying, I need, because of Jesus, because of my relationship with Christ, I need to think differently about this. And that is fantastic. Like, that, that is what it means to follow Jesus. There's a, like a couple weeks ago, we talked about date someone who's submitted and committed to Christ. This is that kind of question. This is the question that says, hey, I, I wanna be submitted to Christ. Not just in word, but in deed. So what does boundaries look like? And, and th this is, I'll say a couple quick things on this. Because um, again, this is a nuanced question, but I would say a, a couple things. One, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so I think that is a wonderful filter uh, when it comes to how should we treat one another uh, when it comes to our physical relationship, when it comes to emotional, how do we treat each other emotionally, um, is asking the question, does this glorify God? Can we do this to the glory of God? And then all of a sudden, it changes what we do and what we think about what we do. And so um, I, I would say that's, that's one thing. Um, just to be super blunt, because uh, I appreciate bluntness, is when you're dating, uh, when it comes to the physical relationship, if your body starts preparing itself for sex, that's too much. Because your body is preparing for something that is saved for marriage. In Hebrews chapter four, I believe it is, it says that the marriage bed should be kept holy, set apart. And so when it comes to this idea of premarital sex and sexual activity, I think we can take those two things and say, hey, is this holy? 
is my, if my body is biologically preparing for sex, that means I am revving the engine for something that it was not intended to do with this person because chances are the person you're dating is not your spouse. It's actually someone else's spouse. And so we need to be careful how we honor and care for and love our brothers and sisters in Christ because someone is probably currently dating your future spouse. How do you want them to treat you, your spouse, right? Like, like that's, I think we start changing the question. I talked about that, I don't know, what week ago. I did a lot of talking over this series, but um, the, the idea of like changing the question from how far can we go to does this glorify the Lord? Is, is, is he well pleased with this? Am I treating the, his daughter with honor and care, right? First Corinthians 13 says that love always protects, love always does not dishonor. And so we start thinking about it differently as a Christian. That's why I love this question. As a Christian, how should I think about this? As a new believer, this is new to me. Like, love it. I love this. I love the humility of this question. I love the heart of this question because we should be thinking about our whole life in this way. As a believer, what does it look like to handle my money? As a believer, what does it look like to be an employee? As a believer, what does it look like to have boundaries in a relationship, right? Like, this is the filter. I, lo I love this question. Yeah, that's good. Okay, our next segment is rapid-fire questions. I'm just gonna throw these out, right. and whoever wants them, go. So get ready, get set. One is, how can a couple glorify God in their relationship and keep him at the center? I'm not a couple, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go. You've been doing this longer I'll, than me. I'll keep talking, so... <laughs> how, do you, how do you glorify God in a relationship? Like, one, you don't stop your relationship with the Lord because you're dating somebody. Like, that, I think our tendency is we, we, we find that special someone and then all of a sudden our relationship with God takes a back seat because now we have something physical to put our mind and heart on. And so I think you, as individually, you continue to pursue your relationship with God. Um, whether that's reading, praying, going to small group, going to church together, praying together, Go, like all, like do all the Christian activities together. Like go to church together, sit next to each other at church, like worship together. Like ask each other like, hey, what'd you think about the sermon? What'd you think about that Q&A tonight? Like have spiritual conversations. So it's, it's both an individual thing, but also like, hey, what, you have a faith, I have a faith, we're both Christians, right? We're equally yoked. Um, that's another reason to break up is if you're not equally yoked. Um, is let's, let's pursue Christ. But you can't just say, well, now my faith is dependent on them or they replace my faith, right? Yeah. So I would, just, I would just say, continue what you're doing Keep and going. then do some things together. That's good. Next one is, is it okay to use dating apps? Sure, yeah, <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, that's definitely, I feel like where our world and culture is today and wherever you're looking to date someone, you're gonna find, Lord willing, what you are looking for. And so if you're looking for the hookup, if you're looking for the one night stand, you can easily find that on a dating app. And if you're looking for someone that's pursuing the Lord and following Christ, I don't think that they're not on dating apps. I think that that can be an avenue you can use. And so know what you're looking for, uh, have that foundation and, and set those boundaries before you start to look and then go in uh, asking the Lord for a lot of discernment. Or as our friend JP who's spoken here before says, you pick your own problems. Right, so if you're gonna go that route, just understand that that's, that's an, you don't know that person. They're a total stranger where your, your community may not have wise advice, like they don't know that person. So mm -hmm. I, I agree, like you, you're, you're, you're gonna get what you're looking for. So I guess you, I mean, I know people that have met on apps that are married now, like that. So yeah. I can't just say like, no, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> but just be aware, like that's what it is. Not every app is equal and every platform does the same thing. So. Yeah. Uh, next one is how should you respond when someone tells you that they're interested in you, they just can't date? If someone tells you they're interested in you, but they're not ready to date you? Yep. <sighs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is incredibly immature. Amen. Um, like, on every level, it's immature because... One, just because you think it does not mean you need to say it. Um, two, if you know you're not in a place to date, like what are you doing to that person that you're telling? Like you're, you're throwing on them this, this insecurity of like, oh wait, what? What did you mean by that? Well, when are you gonna be ready? And all of a sudden, you've thrown them into confusion for what? Like because, let's be honest, probably it's a manipulative tactic. I'm gonna manipulate you 
like what we see, like is it, Christians are terrible at this, is we, we, we call dibs on somebody by doing something like that. Or like I like them, so all you other ladies, hands off. That's not kind. That's not honoring to either party. And so like we see this happen, like it, it, it is just immature and it's not loving and it's not kind because we, especially at least with, in this room and in our ministry, like we're, we're a, a large ministry, but we're still small enough where everybody knows each other. And so if, you know, if Trayvon, you know, as, because he's single, I'm gonna pick on you. Like let's just say for instance, Trayvon walk up, walks up to a young lady and says, hey, I'm interested in dating you, but not right now. Well, all of Trayvon's friends now know, right? And so none of his friends are gonna ask her out. And then now we, we, we get back to the question of why, why don't guys ask girls out? Because of stupid stuff like this, right? Or they break up with somebody, they're like, well, my, my friend dated them, so now I can't ask them because I, I don't wanna be that guy or I don't, I don't wanna be that you know, girl code, guy code, whatever. So this question fires me up. Like, it, it's just, it's just not, it is not honoring, it is not loving, it is not kind because as brothers and sisters of Christ, like, I want y'all to have every opportunity. And so to, to call dibs or, or throw some sort of manipulative emotional, like, matrix onto them, like, that's just, that's ridiculous. All right, there you have it. Um, another one is, how do I lovingly tell a friend that they are just not in a place to date right now? I've, <laughs> I've talked enough, go for it. <laughs> Um, well, first and foremost, uh, you got to make sure you're actually friends with them. Uh, there's a lot of people who say they have friends, but if you're not in a relationship with them, you're not actually doing life, then there's already a block there. Like you can't, again, challenge someone that you're not loving and doing life with. But then past that, I think it's just truly being intentional of take them to the side, um, have facts, have actual valid reasons of why you don't think they're, they're ready to date. And then in the most loving way, just say it. I mean, like, hey, I love you, but I think this is gonna be a problem for you. I think you need to work on X, Y, Z. But then also, if you're gonna be willing to tell someone that they're not ready to go there, be willing to walk with them as you challenge them to be better. And so again, like, be that community forum. Like, hey, I love you. You don't need to be dating, but I'd love to work on this with you. And so that's my... Um, the next one is, what would you say to someone who just has a flirty personality? What would I say to someone who just has a flirty personality? It was in quotations. In quotations. I would say, good for you. <laughs> um, I hope that goes well. Um, but I think, I think the heart of this question is, um, well, that's just who I am. So if someone thinks I'm flirting with them and I'm not, that's their problem. I think that's, I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I would say is, let, let's take the word flirty out and say, like, what if you just have a jerk personality? That's just who you are. Would we be okay with that? Like, no, we wouldn't. We'd be say, all right, if, if we're gonna be honoring and loving to our brothers and sisters in Christ, then if you know you have a flirty personality, then you can adjust and say, hey, I wanna be aware that I can come across and give people a, 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 an assumption that I like them when it is not true. So I need to be aware of that. Like I worked with a gal way, like 20 years ago that she was just blunt. And she would always say like, that's just who I am. I don't wanna be fake, I'm just real. And I'm like, no, you're a jerk. <laughs> you're mean. And you don't have to be. You can be honest and be kind. You can be flirty without being manipulative. You can be flirty without leading people on because you actually like to do that because it makes you feel better about yourself, right? Like, again, it goes back to what Oakley was saying. Like, you, you're flirty, but you're actually using people because you know you can do that. Does that make sense? So yeah. I would just say, like, we need to submit ourselves, our personality and our tendencies and our wiring to the Lord and say, all right, I wanna honor and, and care for and be kind to my brother and sister in Christ. And so if you know you're blunt and you can come across mean, then that's on you because you know that's who you are. Like, it's a good self-awareness check. So if you're flirty, like, all right, just be aware of that and, and maybe pull back a little bit when, you know, when you're talking to the opposite sex so that they don't get the wrong message. Mm -hmm. All right, last one. What should I do when a close friend asks me out but I'm not interested in them? Slash, how do I walk forward in a friendship? Slash what? How do I walk forward in friendship with them? I think we kind of talked about this earlier. I think it can go two ways. You say yes or no. So stating the obvious. I think if you say yes, be honest. 
talk about it with them. I mean, if it's a close friend, you're not really gonna have that get to know you period necessarily. And so you might not be attracted to them, you might not have ever seen them in that way, but if you think, well, you know, I can communicate that with you, let's, let's give it a shot. I wouldn't want this to hurt our friendship, so if we think we can go on a date and it not hurt our friendship, go for it. And then on the flip side of that, if you really genuinely don't ever, ever, ever see a future, maybe you've considered it on your own and you're like, nope, this isn't the person for me for whatever reason, um, but you're still close friends, so you do enjoy them, so kind of interesting. But if you're like, no, I don't wanna date them ever, I don't see them in that way, then be very clear with them also and upfront from the beginning because a friendship is at stake. Ultimately, if it's a guy-girl friendship, that will change at some point in the future if you do get married. If one of you gets married, inevitably that friendship will change. And so, um, you know, that's, you're not gonna be as best buds or close friends for forever. But I think like you can maintain a friendship if you're just very open and, uh, and I don't know, maybe say yes. Maybe you've never thought of them that way, but maybe it could be fun and you could start to like them. Here, I, I 100% agree with that. I would add this. Don't you wanna marry your friend? I think we, 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 we throw this term friend zone around like it's a super terrible thing, but I'm like, Taylor and I are great friends. Like we laugh together. We talked about deep things together. We talked about stupid things together. We saw stupid movies that were a waste of money and time. We laughed really hard at it. Like, like when did it become uncool or undesirable to marry your friend? Like, you want that. Believe me, being married and seeing my marriage and talking with other people who are married who are not friends with their spouse, you don't want that. You want to marry. So I, I would agree with you. Like, like maybe you, you pause for a moment and be like, well, maybe, okay. What is it about our friendship that makes us good friends? And then give it a shot maybe. But also know that that will, like you said, it will change the relationship. And I would just be clear about that on the front end. I'm like, hey, let's, let's try it a date, but I, I, I would... I want, I want to know that this might change things, but let's, let's be mature and just say, hey, if it doesn't work, let's, let's still work on, just, on being good friends and let's not. Let me add this one, one last thing to go back to the breakup thing. I was reading um, a book on, on this just to get a little bit of background and, and he, th this author made a great point. He said, he goes, date with the breakup in mind so that when you do break up, you leave them a better person than when you met them. Right, Because if you think, hey, I might break up with this person, you're probably gonna treat it differently. And I think when you think about a friendship, if, if you're gonna go on a date with a friend, like I'm gonna handle this in a way that can preserve my friendship. Because typically when we start thinking outside of those, that's when the breakup becomes really painful. It's usually when we've gone too far physically that the relationship is unrepairable because we've given a trust and we've, we've given something over to somebody that was not theirs and it is forever changes the relationship. So I would just say, just know that that might change the relationship, but... At the same time, don't you want to marry your friend? Yeah. So. All right. Well, that is the end of our panel. Round of applause for our panelists. Come on. All right. And Andy, as we end this series, do you just have any closing thoughts, recaps, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, just really quick, if you want to just take a couple quick takeaways. Uh, number one, the, the, the biggest thing we want you guys to hear is you were made for a relationship with the Lord, first and foremost. That is where it begins and that is where it ends. No matter what season of life you are in, single, dating, engaged, married, divorced, whatever it may be, widowed, the Lord will be there. And so that is the number one priority. That is the ultimate relationship. So pour your life, your heart, and your soul into that. And then let a relationship just be the fruit of that. All right, so prioritize, prioritize your relationship with the God. Number two, uh, know what you're looking for before you go on those dates. Know what you're looking for. Know what you want, right? That's what we talked about dating for a lifetime, not a good time. Like, make those determinations before you go on the date so that on the date, you're not like, well, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, no, you kind of know. Like, I'm looking for this. So know, know what you're looking for. Number two, Trayvon hit it earlier. Focus on character, not characteristics. All right, characteristics fade. Character grows. Um, and so focus on those things. If, if you're fixated on characteristics, and, and uh, features, then I would maybe pause on dating and ask yourself why those are so important to you and should they be? Um, and then next one is throughout the process of dating, be kind, be clear, and be gentle and understanding with one another. 
seek to honor one another as you do it. Because this is, a, this is just, it's, it's literally close to the heart. Um, when we do this series, we always have tears. Uh, we always have excitement. And so just know that as you, as you date your brother and sister in Christ, do it with kindness and do it with clarity and do it with the, the goal to honor them every step of the way. And then lastly, have fun doing it. Be more winsome and less like grinding through it like this has gotta work, right? Just have fun. Be silly, have fun. If it works out, great. If not, that's okay. God's still sovereign, he's still good. And he has not forgotten you. So let it go a little bit. Let that intensity, be intentional, but let the intensity go. Be more whimsical and just say, hey God, let's just have fun tonight and, uh, and we're gonna trust the Lord with it either before the date, during the date, and after the date. So that's what I would say. So let me pray for us, let's close out. And then Trayvon's got a really important uh, announcement here coming up that I want you guys to hear. So let me pray. Uh, Lord, I just want to thank you uh, for, for tonight. Thanks for this season of life uh, that you've given each one of us, God, that um, the reality of it is is we, we may be single now, but there will be a day where we are single again probably. And so we ask that you would help us to, to steward our singleness well, that we would take advantage of this moment of time uh, to pursue you and to build a foundation of faith that we'll, uh, we can build a life on uh, that is unshakable no matter what the circumstances are. And so God, we ask that you would give us wisdom you give us discernment. God, I pray you'd give the men and women in this crowd a heart of kindness and clarity and gentleness uh, as, we, as we do that. And you praise things in your name. Amen.